0: Well, I'm terribly frightened by the problem with LSD. Uh, I think there's been a great deal of misinformation. Good people don't smoke marijuana.
1: Don't criticize what you
0: can't understand. There is nothing smart, there is nothing uh, uh, grown up or sophisticated in taking an LSD trip at all. They're just being complete fools. Right, exactly. And that's one of the components of the LSD experience, the understanding that there is no they, there's no other. It is all one. One that would engage in this or indulge in this it is just a plain fool.
1: Welcome to the <laughs> <laughs>
0: Psychedelic Renaissance Podcast, Episode 2. In this episode, we are going to attempt to destigmatize the cultural understanding of psychedelics. It's actually the misunderstanding of psychedelics. You start doing some research around these things, you come to find out that it's not the psychedelics that are the problem. It's the laws around the psychedelics that are the problem. The biggest fucking problem, the people who created these laws and the reasons why. It's a scary goddamn thing. We're also going to dispel some rumors like psychedelics make you crazy forever. Psychedelics put holes in your brain, but it's a gateway drug, don't you know? It's all bullshit, man, and we're going to get into it. We also touch on how psychedelics can help people and what it's doing in the brain. My name is Josh.
2: Christopher Gunlock. Yo, this is Adam.
0: We're happy how this episode turned out. We appreciate you. I hope you enjoy it.
2: So yeah, do you guys ever hear about, like, like uh, back in the day, everybody was saying that psychedelics just, like, make you go crazy forever?
1: That's where I saw the leprechaun. He told me to burn things.
3: When I was a kid. I must have been in junior high, maybe early high school or something like this. And my brother was having this party with his friends. And um, I was told that they had taken acid. And so I, I showed up at the house... And like my brother's friend is like dancing in the shower, like without the water on, and everybody's acting like super strange and like somebody was like they were like had to keep somebody from going outside and it was just very bizarre experience for me.
0: You gotta fight for your right. To so
3: that was one data point that formed my impression of psychedelics and the other was the fact that when I was in junior high and high school, I always had a bunch of friends who would show me these YouTube videos titled something like guy takes LSD and loses his mind. So from a very early age, I just thought, okay, these are drugs that make you lose your mind. And that's what I thought until I discovered some great podcasts and great information later on in my life. Yeah, man, I, I think a lot of us have experiences like that where
2: our, our perception of psychedelics were marred by hysterical anecdotes that really were not reflective of what the evidence pre-Prohibition and recently are showing. Uh, specifically, we, when we look at the differences between psychosis and psychedelics, it seems that they really don't have as much in common as we
3: maybe thought in the past. And in fact, researchers Cohen and Mallison They analyzed tens of thousands of controlled psychedelic guided sessions, and they found that less than 1% of all participants had any kind of prolonged psychotic reaction.
0: So if I take a bunch of LSD and I convince myself that I'm going crazy because I'm watching the walls melt or any other visual distortion that comes along with the trip, this doesn't mean that I'm developing some sort of uh, mental illness or psychiatric disorder. It's just a result of my non-ordinary brain state brought on by the drugs themselves because I'm fucking tripping. My ball's off, you know? Then I upgraded to a little drug called acid. I did two hits of that And Bugs Bunny and Scooby Doo And all my favorite cartoons
1: Came to my own room and ate Cookies with me the same song For 16 hours God damn
0: But what about someone who takes too much And jumps off their parents' roof thinking they could fly Young man on acid
3: thought he could fly Jumped out of a building What tragedy what a dick.
0: He thought he could fly. Why didn't he take off the ground and check it out first? You don't see ducks lined up to catch elevators to fly south? Or how about dude who steps into traffic right in front of a bus thinking he can stop said bus with his mind and gets fucking smashed by the bus.
2: All right, let's pump the brakes a little bit. The media did sensationalize these reports of people dying and committing suicide in psychedelics. You know, what we know now... About set and setting has been validated time and time again. There were there's over a thousand studies on LSD and mescaline before prohibition. You know, there's there's a handful of studies more recently too showing that when you put people in, in a controlled environment and you prepare them, screen them for um, psychosis related disorders, make sure that they're they're ready for the experience, and you get you put them in a place that's safe, you know, no open balconies and you know things that, that can hurt them, you get pretty good reactions. You ever see a good drugstore? on the news? Never. News is supposed to be objective, isn't it? Even adverse reactions are rare, let alone actual death and suicide. So it was really a a sensationalized cultural narrative that was most likely due to the Nixon administration's uh, war on drugs that ultimately culminated in the 1970 Controlled Substances Act.
0: So guys, I've been meaning to tell you something. I was actually the dare bear once. Like I wore the costume and everything at a county fair. I was recruited from the police force and I think Farmington or something like that. And I remember in DARE, they didn't tell us anything about the scientific research going on around psychedelic compounds. They were only giving us information to, to scare us away from these things.
3: Now it's important to point out that scary things can happen when you take a psychedelic drug. Scary things do happen to people who take psychedelic drugs. What we need to bear in mind when we're talking about these drugs, when we're educating people about these drugs, is that there's so many more things that happen. People gain greater clarity on their spiritual life. People deal with their trauma. People bond with their friends and family. These psychedelic drugs, they do many things, and if we don't talk about all of these things, if we only focus on the dangers, on the risks, we'll have a distorted picture of what these drugs really are, and we won't have a solid basis to decide how to integrate these drugs into our society.
0: So if you take too much in the wrong sentence setting, you may freak the fuck out, that's understood. So instead of investigating the circumstances of the people who were in these unfortunate events, the media blames the psychedelics and turns it into fear propaganda, basically. But now we know that the psychedelics aren't the culprit. It's the set and setting or the person who uh, has an existing psychotic disorder. So knowing that, why the fuck are these things still illegal, man?
2: Yeah, so our, our drug laws have some of the, the worst misinformation behind them uh, historically. The The whole 60s thing... A lot of people don't realize that the Vietnam War, the anti-war effort, the whole hippie counterculture movement, the civil rights movement for people of color.
0: I have a dream that one day, this This nation will rise up.
2: All of these factors really culminated to create a politically motivated set of drug laws. Whereas most people think that It was scientific evidence, you know, people's reports of the dangers of of drugs like psychedelics. But in fact, even the science before prohibition contradicted these reports that drugs like LSD uh, were were harmful to people and harmful to society, Uh, when in fact it's more likely the way people were using it was harmful. And the whole Nixon administration um, was, was responsible for the Controlled Substances Act, which is the turning point for all classical psychedelics, because they were placed in the most severe category of uh, drug prohibition that said not only they have a high potential of abuse or addiction uh, and are harmful, but also have no medical value. And that makes it very difficult to do any kind of research on them at all. And that's exactly what we've had for the last forty years.
0: It's a weird one, man. It's a fucked up history. I wish you were lying to me. It's like still my pre-programming has me doubting you. It has me, you know, trying to rationalize this or something. America's public enemy number one in the United States is drug abuse. In order to fight and defeat this enemy, it is necessary to wage a new all-out offensive.
1: Forbes reports on a remark by a former Nixon aide hinting that the war on drugs had a hidden purpose, that President Nixon saw the drug crackdown as a way to arrest blacks and anti-war protesters. Ehrlichman also claimed that the White House knew they were lying about drugs.
2: Ehrlichman said, and I quote, by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities and vilify them night after night on the evening news. have been surfacing about Nixon for decades now and turns out he's not a good guy. And I want to
3: say this to the television audience. I made my mistakes.
2: We're not happy about certain communities and in our society and had some political motivations. And in
3: all of my years of public life, I have never obstructed justice. But I welcome this kind of examination.
2: problem is now we're stuck with drug laws that were a result of those political
3: moves. Because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. I'm a crook. I'm a crook. I'm a crook.
0: Well, you make a hell of an argument there, Chris. Sorry I called you a dick earlier. When did you call me a dick? So fuck Richard Nixon. Fuck this hypocritical, contradictory, Schedule 1 nonsense telling us that there's no medical value to these things. It's like they're treating us uh, like children and telling us that Santa Claus is, is still real. The point still remains to be made about how these compounds can benefit us and what they're doing in the brain.
3: Yeah, Michael Pollan, best-selling author of a new book called How to Change Your Mind has been going around the country answering this question.
0: There was a period of more than a decade of very productive research using psychedelics LSD and psilocybin, which is the ingredient in magic mushrooms, to treat alcoholism, depression, anxiety, obsession, to understand schizophrenia, Um, and they were regarded as potential psychiatric wonder drugs. Alright, right, so my grandma has treatment-resistant depression. And what I'm hearing here is if this prick Nixon didn't come along and put these substances on the Schedule 1 list that science which was proving these compounds beneficial for mental health conditions pre-prohibition would have been continued for what 40 years and potentially probably these compounds would have been prescribed as medicine by now for my grandma and people with the same mental health conditions.
3: Unfortunately your grandma is just one of many thousands of people who have had mental health conditions that did not get treated as adequately as they could have. That could have been benefited from psychedelic therapy of some kind. And there are many thousands of people who lie behind bars because of their the this, this simple possession of drugs
2: look at the data reveals that
3: a significant part of the prison growth in the last 40 years has been driven by the war on drugs. Here's the data. By 1980, there were over 315,000
2: prisoners in state and federal facilities. Seven and a half percent were nonviolent drug law violators. 10 years later, the drug war had grown, and the total American prison population had more than doubled to over 740,000 inmates. The most growth occurred in the nonviolent drug offender population, which grew to a significant
3: 24%. And in addition to that, there are people who use drugs for personal use, who are ostracized from their friends and from their family because of the drug stigma.
2: Luckily now... Some people are coming out to expose the lies that were involved with our drug laws. Uh, Guys like Mark Hayden, he was in government drug policy committees and an expert in the regulation of illegal drugs, now works for MAPS in, in pursuing the research of psychedelics and has something to say on
3: this. Specifically, I apologize for the lies of past drug educators, including myself. And I acknowledge that we've told three lies. We've exaggerated the harms of drugs, we've never acknowledged the benefits of drugs, and we've never talked about the dominant model for controlling drugs in our society, which is drug prohibition, which has failed us all so badly.
0: So if there's current research happening around these compounds, proving them beneficial, why can't I go to my therapist and get a bag of mushrooms then? Well, there's two important
3: reasons why you can't yet do that, Josh, and they go together. The first is that these drugs are illegal. And the second is that there has not yet been enough large scale research studies evaluating these drugs efficacy, and that's holding up the ability for therapists to prescribe these things. Yeah, and I think it's important to point out
2: also that normally pharmaceuticals are granted huge amounts of money by our very own government, taxpayer dollars. ...to go through the kinds of large-scale studies you mentioned that the FDA requires for approval
3: to get into the hands of doctors and therapists. But a congresswoman has been making efforts on the Hill to address the lack of research. Ms. Ocasio-Cortez
1: and a member opposed each will control five minutes. The chair recognizes the gentlewoman from New York. Thank you, Madam Chair. I rise today to offer this critical bipartisan amendment that will allow United States researchers to study and examine the extraordinary promise shown by several Schedule I drugs that have been shown in treating critical diseases such as MDMA's success in veteran PTSD, psilocybin's promise in treatment-resistant depression, or Ibogaine's effectiveness in opioid and other drug addiction. This amendment strikes a war on drugs provision that prohibits any activity, quote, promoting the legalization of any drug included in schedule one of the Controlled Substance Act. The problem with this provision is that it is so vague and broadly interpreted that it prevents scientists from researching, examining, and exploring avenues of treatment that could alleviate an enormous amount of suffering from medical conditions. And with that, I would like to yield one minute of my time to the gentleman.
2: So AOSC explains this beautifully and the congresspeople on the other side of the aisle basically respond with something like, oh, we can't fund research for Schedule One substances because there's not enough research which is an obvious absurdity, and AOC goes on to point this out as well.
1: The note was brought up that there is a rider provision saying that there is an exception for uh, those those drugs that have been shown medical promise, but we cannot prove that medical promise unless we fund the research to actually have it in the first place. So we have a catch-22, and we have to get rid of it.
0: Suicide rates are going up. A lot of people are depressed. The current system is not working for these people. There needs to be something different. we got to find a way to support
3: this. Now, even though the federal government is failing to act on this issue, like we mentioned in episode one, municipalities across the country are starting to wake up and organize to take action to decriminalize these substances. Yeah, man, and including again right here in Minnesota, the
2: decriminalized nature movement has come to your local neighborhood. So help us out, psychedelicmpls.com. There's a place to submit your testimonials there, to be a contributor, and to become a member of the Psychedelic Society to show that we really care about this and that we can make this work in the real society.
1: Psychedelic Society.
0: Of course, I would never tell you to try anything that's on the DEA's Schedule 1 list. Because if there's one government organization that has your best interest in mind, it's the DEA. And if the DEA tells me something's bad for me, well, by golly, I can be sure they're telling me the truth. And I'm not going to ask questions. Because thinking for myself is overrated. And hard. Thanks, DEA. I will abide. I will abide. I will abide. All conversation and information exchanged on the Psychedelic Renaissance podcast is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice. Nothing on this podcast should supersede or supplement the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although this podcast has medical professionals on it, they are not functioning as so in this environment. The Psychedelic Renaissance podcast does not encourage the illicit use of illegal substances. We encourage you to think for yourselves. We encourage you to discern all information presented in this episode and kids don't do drugs but parents you might want to do your research